My name is Jorge M. Sanchez, and you are listening to the JMS Podcast. Today's guest is the one and only Austin Bladelock. Uh, this guy, he has been coming to my open mic on Wednesdays at Cafe Frascati. Uh, he's a great comedian, a great musician. I really wish I, I knew more about the music side because I would have uh, invited him to possibly uh, play something here. But he did send me uh, a project, uh, uh, an album he's working on. Uh, so far, it's an instrumental, but man, it is a great song. It's a song I'm going to put right before we get to our conversation with him. And I was headbanging the whole way. It's such a great, great instrumental song. And uh, we, we had a great chat. We, we went all over the place. And then after the we finished our podcast session, he kind of sat down with my guitar. And then, uh, damn, he's good. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just started playing guitar about... A year and a half, two years, and man, it's like I hear people that have been playing for ten to twenty years, and I'm like, oh my god, I hope I I, I get like a small percent of that skill. That would be so awesome. But Austin, he is an awesome guy. Had a great talk. He has a uh, like two other podcasts, uh, which meant he was a great guest, easy to talk to. Of course, all my guests are great, but him was exceptional. I, I, we found a lot of common ground. The thing with Austin is that I ran into him pretty late in the game. Uh, I We've been going to the same school. We've been doing the same activities. And it took me to meet him on my last semester by accident. Um, so, But nonetheless, I'm happy to have met him. And I have him here on the podcast. And we had a great chat. And I look forward to it. Uh, but before we get there, i got a couple announcements. First things first, new development. The JMS Podcast has an official mailing list. That's right. You can just subscribe to our email mailing list. I have my friend Mighty Mike McGee come by and kind of kind of show me how to do it. But now we got it. So it's another great way to keep up with the latest uh, episodes or latest content. And this guy, and this time I'll be sending it to you directly to your email. That's right. Because I get it. You know, if I post stuff on social media, uh, there's a 50% chance that you're not even going to see it because uh, you're not checking the social media all the time. And if you do, I'm pretty sure you would have skipped over the stuff I put on there. But with the email, I think we're more convenient. You know, it's up to you. Be like, oh yeah, hey, there's a new episode here, or like, hey, you know, there's some news coming up, or there's an upcoming event, stuff like that. So I'm very excited to hopefully use the. Uh, the mailing list to kind of send all you guys uh, uh, letters here and there. Uh, so please, uh, you can go to the jmspodcast.com website and at the bottom of the homepage, it says uh, subscribe to mailing list. And all you got to do is you just got to put your email there. And that's it. It's that easy. And, and subscribe. Boom. What more to it? What more do you want? Jesus. Uh, for those who are listening and just heard my, me say our Savior's name in vain, I just did. Because some people just want more or want things easier. And that's the thing with people these days. People don't want to suffer. People are trying to cut corners a little bit too much. I feel like it's, maybe it's my generation, but this whole driving car, like self-driving cars, I'm not for it. Seriously. We should be driving our own fucking cars and some have some accountability of our shitty driving. They're like, oh, well, Jorge, we need self-driving cars because we need, uh, you know, it could get rid of traffic. It's like, no, traffic is pretty important to our society. Traffic 
kind of takes this part of our brain that has to problem solve how to get out of traffic. Trust me, I feel it's detrimental how much in our society, at least here in the United States, we're trying to cut corners with technology. So that is why, uh, although I'm not for self-driving cars, I am all for you subscribing to my mailing list because it's so easy with today's technology to subscribe to the mailing list. So check it out at jmspodcast.com. If you haven't already, you can also uh, subscribe to Gemma's Podcast on Facebook. Search us on Facebook. And you can also subscribe on Twitter and Instagram. I don't think I'm supposed to use the words uh, subscribe, but you can follow us. That's for sure. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. In other news, I've made a new short film. That's right. I've made a black and white short form. Short, I can't even talk right now. I made a black and white short film called Chair, and it's a it's it's more of an experimental film. But I've been receiving interesting interpretations from my friends. Uh, me, like of course, I had a a, re, a certain reason behind the symbolism of it. But I am so inspired by how other people take my work and totally interpret things that are like way better than I could ever come up with. So I want to recommend all my listeners to check out my short film. It's called Chair. You go on YouTube. You're going to do search Chair. Then you can put my name, Jorge M. Sanchez. It'll say Vignette Film by Jorge M. Sanchez. Uh, check it out and let me know what you think. You can contact me at jamspodcast at gmail.com. And let me know if you, if you liked it. Uh, I hope you liked it. Um, if you can't, well, you know, it's, it's only three minutes long, right? If you hated it, it's only three minutes of your life. I never got that that joke. We were like, oh, I'm never going to get my five minutes of life back. It's like, fuck you. Hope you die in five minutes. Oh, my God. I'm pretty aggressive today. I've been having a weird, weird week. Uh, I'm I, The post-graduation blues is setting in. I have some other development that I'll get into later. And I just, uh, I'm exhausted. Where do we go from here, people? Where do we go from here? Where do I go from here? Anyway, I'm really happy all who are listening and supporting this podcast. Wouldn't be here without you guys. We reach our uh, 60th episode with Austin Blaylock. And man, it's been a fun ride. And here's for like 60 more episodes. Uh, but seriously, lately I've been having a lot of people come up to me in person and say, Hey man, I just binged, listened to your podcast. It was great. I just listened to an episode on the podcast. It was great. And that means a lot to me because uh, for one, uh, the fact that you guys are listening in and engaging with the conversations with that I'm having with these guests means a lot. And I hope you learn something from each guest that, that comes on. And because I learned something new every guest that comes on here. So, and and it's great. I, like before before I knew people from the community, I kind of like shut myself out. I didn't even know these people existed outside my doorstep. But now that I do, I realize. There's so many resources available for each other. If only if we knew each other and we talked about what we're interested in, then I feel like a lot of people can collaborate and do some beautiful things around the South Bay and beyond. Well, that's my message for now. Let's get to our conversation with Austin Blaylock. And the song, he doesn't have, the only title it has on is Song 3. But uh, I'm pretty sure hopefully he changes it. Or Song 3 could work. So here is song three by Austin Blaylock and his band. 
and then uh, and tune in for our conversation. We had a nice chat.
True Romance? Yeah. I don't think Barnaby talked about that movie enough. <laughs> did, he, did he mention that movie? All the time. Really? Oh, yeah. I figure he mentions uh, Little Miss Sunshine a lot. He does that one, too. Yeah. But True Romance came up because he like I feel like it's built in. He goes like, oh, if I have a male student in a film class, like they probably like Quentin Tarantino. So True yeah. Romance, he especially the screenwriting aspect of it. He I, up I hear lot. you. I know a lot of, uh, of my film teachers who get tired of the male film student yeah it's a very uh, stereo- it's a big stereo- homaging type. tarantino a little bit too yeah. much which is ironic considering that tarantino himself homages others yeah work. yeah so, so they're like a, derivative of somebody's right. derivative it's like an inception of filmmaking mm-hmm. yeah that's why um one of my one of my like favorite things in the world to do um as like a musician is go back and look up what my favorite band's favorite bands are and that's how i found a lot of a lot of my now like artists that i think are just the absolute best I totally um, forgot you were a musician. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I recall too. you mentioning it, mm-hmm. but we never really talked about that. What kind of musician you? Um, I like. I mean, honestly, everything. Um, but mo- like, I've played actively like a lot of rock and like heavier punk stuff. Um, but I'm much more into like the. Uh, I want to say like blues and like ambient kind of experimental stuff. Um, it yeah, kind of depends on the uh, day. Yeah, but uh, a lot of that. Yeah, I I hear you, man. I'm more of a. I like to be more of a blues player. I want anyone who, yeah, anyone who can recognize like, oh, I'm a blues player. I usually say like, you're probably a lot better than most people are, because really, because for, for me, the I guess that's the whole uh, magic of the blues, because mm-hmm. it sounds simple to the ear. Yeah, but then when you try to play, it's a very exactly. complicated. It's because it takes yeah. a lot more emotional feel to put out a note that's blues rather right. than like, oh, you're like a really technically proficient metal player, but like that is all it is is it's like oh you're just technically proficient there's not like i'm hit like every blues note sounds a little different and every song sounds distinctively different because of the way that like their body is playing that right um it just it takes a lot more i think and so that's why i uh yeah. i do think it, of it and as, i remember when i first was learning guitar you know uh mm-hmm. like the first off i tried to learn with blue notes okay yeah uh and as i was strumming them i was trying the dun the dun strumming yep and my, my buddy was a musician. Oh, man, you got, you got good syncopation going on. I'm like, yep. what is that? You know, syncopation is right. where, where it's like, you know, you're not really on rhythm, but like yeah. you, you have a emotion with it. Yep. I'm like, I'm doing that by accident because I'm really bad at this. Yeah, right? <laughs> Isn't that fun? I love it when you fall into something like that. I remember yeah. I was writing with this one band um, and I was showing my friend who's like this. She's an absolute incredible musician. Her name is Candy Wager. Um, and I was showing her this demo that we did. And she was like, oh, wow, what you did there is this like really complex thing. And I was like, we thought it sounded cool, man. Like yeah. we had no idea. Yeah. Um, we literally like accidentally did that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we weaned it and it came out great. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we, we played that one time through, we had a good idea and then we had ended up recording that, like that one time through and went beautiful. All right, let's keep it. Like, um, so, so did music come first before comedy? Um, actively. Yes. Um, I've I- been interested in both my like absolute whole life. My, uh, I I'm very lucky because my dad is a he's a professional like touring drummer um, in the like country scene. Um, so wait, is he like a, a touring studio musician or is he like a touring part of a band? He was drummer? like uh, like a both. Um, he's done session work a lot recently, and then he had like a gap when I was um, 
between like five and like 13 he wasn't doing it too much anymore was that weird um, because i guess he was out of the house a lot yeah um, well my parents divorced when i was very very young okay um, so him being like um not like always present was pretty normal yeah um was that the reason for the divorce um i think it was part of it for sure because i feel it's hard to be married to somebody who's oh, in the entertainment business definitely definitely because yeah. um, he, he was gone so much and then um and then when my mom got pregnant with me um, like he feasibly couldn't be around um, because he was doing that and like who blames him um, so it was like a stressful thing I guess yeah um, but he played for like Martina McBride and stuff like that um, and I mean until I was like five I totally thought he lived at the airport because I just saw that was where I saw him and that yeah. was it um, and so yeah he was like he was gone all the time but I was very lucky because I got to be exposed to music so much yeah um, and see it I got to play his drums all the time was my absolute favorite thing and then i also had my mom is just so she loves music so so much so i was my whole life just like that was like it was given a lot of value what does your mom do um my mom she doesn't play any instruments or anything um she's just she just loves music that's it um specifically like she um was like graduated in like 1986 so like the whole hair metal thing hit her like hard she graduated in 1986 1986 what did she study um, no, she graduated high school in 1986. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she's relatively young. Yeah. Um, and so she was like perfect age for all of that going on right is, is then. That, I assume this is how she met your dad? Um, yeah, kind of. Through um, music? Through yep. the concert? Yeah, she was at one of his shows. Um, yeah. And they met that way. and Or from how I understand it, I believe that's what it was. And he plays country, so not really right up that alley. But um, uh, that's how they met. And she, like I said, she just loves music so much that it was like, since I was a little, since I like the day I was born, it was very like, that was expressed as being something that was very important. So I was, so I was so lucky that I got to, that I got to like be a part of that from when I was a kid. I didn't have that whole like parents saying like, Oh, you know, like maybe, maybe that's not the best thing to do. I only had that, uh, like, yeah, like, why would you not do it? Um, so I was, and you're referring to music, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then um, it's weird because with comedy, it was something that I just like, I just loved so much. Like since the first time I saw it and I didn't really like know what it was, but I loved movies and film and TV especially. Um, And so I didn't really know like, because with music, there's sort of like a clear way that you foster it, which is like you learn your instrument and then you like, you know, you play with friends, you jam and then you start playing out, you put together bands. Is it that Um, simple? Yeah, right. I mean, like, it's like you could you could boil it down. I I have a hard time just learning the instrument. Yeah, well, everyone should. If you, yeah, and Um, and then even worse when I'm with the jam. Oh my god, I like I I try to do as mm -hmm. less as possible. Oh, that's the best though. That is the abs. Anyone who's trying to fool around too much on it, I'm like, no. What are you doing? Like, like fall into the pocket. The best. Uh, So you should jam with insecure Uh, uh, musicians. Totally, that's the key. Uh, Yeah, insecure (laughs) artist. Way better, promise you. <laughs> um, um, Kanye West is like the exception there. Um, now you mentioned that the first time you saw stand up, you always was interested. What was, oh, yeah. what was like, the first time you saw? Oh, uh, the first one I saw was probably as uh, Eddie Izzard. We had a homemade um, recording of Eddie his "Dress to Kill." I'm um, impressed. That's that's a great one. It was an that's old one. one. Yeah, um, I I don't even remember what the context was, like why I decided to watch it or who showed it to me in my house. But yeah. um, that, uh, oh my god, but, I was I. But, Eddie Izzard's a beast, man. Oh, he's so he, he's on a level on his own. Yeah, like, he really is. I mean, because not only does he do stand up for like stadium stuff, yeah, but he does it in three different languages. I know. Uh, yeah, it's he, n- absolutely nuts, right? I mean, trying to be funny in one language and one culture is one thing. Yeah, trying to be funny in a different language and another culture, it's like another thing. It's a whole nother. And the crux, like I hear, like 
a lot of um, like really professional comics and stuff will say like, yeah, I like it's hard to go overseas because it just like doesn't, it just mm-hmm. doesn't do so well. And um, knowing that he he's done that, absolutely insane. Like yeah. it's just that's such another level of. Even better is a his staff is very smart, very witty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because over going overseas, it, it, I think it is difficult. But yep. what has been successful with comedians going overseas uh, are race-based jokes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is ironic. Not really. It makes sense now that I think about it. Yeah. But but people like like Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. He is a global one of the highest paid comedians. Yeah. Because a lot of his stick is is race related. Yeah. But with Russell Simmons, he, he there's a craft to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not all out. But it's funny for me how some of the cheap laughs works on a they global work scale. Everywhere. It's like Tim Minchin's the same way. Um, the, he's like that Australian like music-based comedian. Uh-huh. And he has a whole song where um, it's like the setup is you think the song is about like this. He says like this underrepresented like group of people. And like it's like they're the letters that spell it. There's two G's, an I, an E, an R, and an N. And it's like, oh, shit. And then he sings a whole song about gingers. Gingers, um, and it was—it's so funny um, yeah. because like takes you one place, takes you like, and you go somewhere else, universally good, um, or like it's—it plays to something that everyone understands. Um, and so Eddie Izzard, but he kind of—I feel like he goes above that a lot, in a lot of ways because his humor—he doesn't have to do that, mm. and um, but it still can translate to—I mean, language-wise, it helps. But um, it, he doesn't have to like sort of pander almost, I guess. And he makes this look so easy. Yeah, like, like I, I would watch his interviews, and he's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. and this and that," and it's like, "Well, just study linguistics." Yep, like, he makes it look like it's not. I a took a linguistics out. class, and I, I think I dropped it because that shit was hard. Yeah, that's next. Anyone, <laughs> anyone out there who does linguistics or anything, respect. Yeah, that is that is insanely hard. I love it. Um, I don't, I don't do it. I don't think I could. Um, because I just don't think I'm smart enough. But man, like they have to have a grasp on like language beautiful i love it which is which is very i think important mm-hmm. especially travel i should say asterisk um eddie izzard was the first one i watched and then i think a couple months later um my stepmom um actually went austin i know you like comedy a lot i want to show you this this i think you would really like this and then she showed me um she had a burned uh, copy of Patton oswalt's like comedy record that was out then mm-hmm. um it was right after like ratatouille and that um that really sunk it in for me too where i was just like this is incredible like I laughed so I like was just crying from laughing listening to it, and that it really it made me want to do it really badly. Um, so, but like I said, I didn't really I didn't really know how you did it. Like I had no like I didn't know anyone that did it or anything. Right. I, it just seemed like all these people were just like showing up on TV and like doing stand up, and I had no idea how you would even get. That. So, how was that transition from music to comedy? Um, honestly, it's been a. Uh, it's been pretty simple, I think. Um, like, I miss playing music actively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, like, play and jam with people a lot and stuff. But um, it's not something that I'm putting just a ton of time in right now. Right. Um, as much as I'd like to, I'm trying to write an out, like, a, just a record on my own right now and just, like, put it out just because. Um, but um, obviously that takes a lot of work. And I'm not exactly, like I said, putting a lot of time in that right now. But um, it's, uh, I, you know, it was weird because um, music is, like I said, such, like, this emotionally... Um, fulfilling thing and um, stand up is as well just in um, it's just like a different vessel for me to talk about what I'm thinking about yeah. um, so I um, and plus like I was just so excited that like I was gonna get to do stand up even like 
like it just the smallest level that it's it made it just really easy because i had been looking for a way to do this forever um so and you're referring to open mics or, yeah or like what do you mean like by that just okay. like any way that i could like start doing stand-up like i had i had no like when i was a kid i used to like what I can now recognize is like, oh, I was just trying to do stand up and just make my friends laugh, like mm-hmm. ju- from just talking to them. Um, and so when I was like, oh, I can actually like, there's places that will let me do this. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I yeah, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty easy, and it's something that like I look at and go like, these are two things that I can do forever. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like I love um, Donald Glover so much. Um, and Childish Gambino, I absolutely love, but he's someone that I look at and I go like, you have achieved everything that I want to do. Mm. Um, and that's, it's really is like, that, inspirational for me. Oh, oh, so it's very inspiring. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's not out of spite. No, it's I like, look God at damn that. it. He did it. I first. mean, part of that is I go like, F- fuck this guy. He's so, uh, can I say that on here? I yeah, hope that, okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't want to like, what? Uh, in your podcast, you guys, no, no, we do. It's yeah. just like, I want to be like sympathetic to what, um, you're uh, sympathetic, dude. I'm as informal as they come. Okay, cool, cool. Um, uh, so I was, I, a lot which, of the time, which, I'm like, yeah. no, go ahead. What? <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. You're my guest here. I'm like, fuck this dude. Like, he, f- writer on 30 Rock at the age of 23, like, Derek Comedy was huge, does stand-up, has, like, specials and whatnot, or special, uh-huh. and then makes, like, this incredible, like, these two incredible, like, hip-hop records, man. Yeah. Uh, screw you. <laughs> like, and then on Community also, like literally has done every single thing that I'm like, I would, I would love to do this, um, in just a different way. And so I look at that and go like, yeah, I could like, why he, he like granted like exception, but like he shows that like, you can do all of this. Why not? Um, of course, I, you know, it, I mean, to a certain point, people tell me that in the right is stick with one, get, get, get good at, get good at, at one. one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I understand that. Mm hmm. But for me, I kind of have to spread my my writing around, mm-hmm. you know, and totally. try to get good in all in all the areas. Yeah, uh, because for me, it's just practice for one another. And I learn principles from one thing, from stand up that I could utilize in music, or yeah. music that I could utilize in screenwriting, and so and so on. Totally. Um, but I know if I if I if I had a one track mind, perhaps mm-hmm. I would be more ahead in life. Yeah. But I gotta admit, I've learned a lot just going through the different avenues of, mm-hmm. of expression yeah because they are they're i mean they're so different it's a it's all different paths to kind of end up at the same place uh-huh. um and so like i'll get really into like i'll get really really into writing whatever i'm writing at that moment and then like one day i'll just like flip and go like oh you know what i gotta go i gotta go write like something some music thing or something and it's a good way like it kind of takes me out of it and lets me go Ex- use that energy somewhere else that way when I come back it's not like that same stale kind of and would you be careful because you could easily yeah. just abandon I could just lose it yeah, yeah I've done that so many times like, yeah case in point that, yeah. it happens it happens yeah self-discipline is very important yeah jumping from project yeah. to project isn't always the healthiest thing in the world because uh-huh. if you don't finish the things um, right. it's not great but <laughs> um, I hate it's, it man. it's fun like I love it's because like I mean it's like the beginning of like a relationship where like the new thing is like the best thing and if ever you just want to do that yeah. and then like something else is that um so pre-production is like <laughs> the best part of everything when right. you have the idea uh, i find it interesting that you transitioned fairly well uh how, how long have you been in comedy now um about a year and a half year and a half fairly yeah. well because uh, usually when i see musicians at least in my open mic mm-hmm. try stand-up mm-hmm. they go they go all out dirty mm-hmm. or all out uh, cussing. 
Like, oh, yeah. like, like I feel like it's these things that they, they pent up inside of their music, <laughs> and now they, they do stand up, and it's just fuck this, fuck that. Fuck. Yeah. And, and I've seen it numerous times, mm-hmm. but with you, you seem to actually take on the the, the stand up. Oh well, thank uh, you. Uh, craft much more uh, professionally in some way. I appreciate that. That's very nice to hear. Did you? Um, okay. Um, I mean, I just that's such a that's such a great compliment. Um, I, I mean, I just like I. I've loved I've loved stand up so much and just comedy in general and like writing is really like even the from the day I was like eighteen I was like this is definitely more of like this is what I want to go for like I want to I want to write for TV and stuff and like music is great and if I get somewhere with that awesome I'm not gonna be upset uh-huh. but like that is really like that's my wheelhouse um, it's more like individual to me like separated from like my family upbringing and stuff where it was like music 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 um, and then I was like ooh I think I want to do this um, so. I, uh, I've just had a real appreciation for it. Um, but that's not to say also like when I, when I met you, I'd been doing stand up for close to a year. So I had like, I think fumbled pretty hard. Um, and you started in Livermore, right? Yeah. Out in like, uh, Pleasanton and just the East Bay. Tommy um, T's. Yep. For that was the first set I ever did. Uh, what other open mics are, or what other showcases are over in there? the East Bay? Yeah. Um, there's not a ton in like that, like Tri Valley area. Um, but there are like in Oakland oh, and yeah, all that. Right. Um, that's where like the bulk of them are. Okay. So there, so I've yet to go to Tom Tees. I, I remember there were a couple of times me and a friend were supposed to go, but I at the end, last second I didn't go. It's a cool room because you get to meet a lot of people, man. Yeah. Um, and that's really fun. And you see like the people who are good there are really, really good. Um, and it's just, it's, it's fun to see. Um, I like that. And they, they'll book like 30 people for an open mic. Um, so you get to sit there and watch like so much different material. Hmm. I like that a lot. That room is um, as hard as it is, and as sometimes like, like rough as it can be. Um, I just it's like it's a room that I'll call it, like I always want to be going back to just because it's you got to work pretty hard. So I like it. It's a comedy club, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's dedicated. Rough? Um, it's because I mean when I, you get I, like, I usually find comedy clubs a little easier because the crowds mm-hmm. are there to laugh. Well, yeah, yeah, everyone goes there to laugh, but it's at the end of the day, it's still like an open mic. So when you have like the thirty comedians on oh, it, it's yeah. a crowd of thirty comedians plus or minus like 10 um so that's where that's where it gets rough you got to work it's like it's a very um networking heavy club so everyone's in there like selling their brand or whatever um and that's where i think it it gets a little difficult um because everyone's sitting there doing that like well i'm funnier than this guy um their judgmental comedian brain um, yeah. Plus, comedians don't really laugh; they just go like, "Oh, that's really funny." So, like, well, of course, man, really... we're, we're we're exhausted of you know hearing our own stuff, and exactly. hearing other people's stuff. Yeah, but but that's why if you make a comic laugh, mm-hmm. it ironically comics laugh at more at, at other people bombing. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's I love the sets where I bomb, man. I I get off stage and then I, that's when I'm like, that was probably the funniest because like. You. Well, for for a comedian to watch another comedian bomb, it's yeah, funny because they've been hilarious. there. Yeah. Like they know that feeling. Exactly, they can relate to that. I oh, there's been so many times uh, where like I've seen like someone I know bombing, or I'd say a handful of times, not so many. Um, but I've looked at them like they've made eye contact contact with me in the middle of their set, and I've just been like, oh my god, man, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is crazy. And then like every time they sit down, I I'm always like. Like my the thing because I tell it to myself when I bomb is I go like look you're doing the same jokes that you do when you kill like so they're good like they are 
just not tonight, man. Like these people just didn't think so. Have you had that? in in when you played music, like were you performing in front of a of a crowd that are just not having it with your music? Yeah, yeah. And like, is that even more awkward? Because um, you, you kind of have to continue playing the music. Um, nah, no. You know, I would say that that's easier. Because number it? one, you're in a group. Um, number two, it's just you know like. So, um, so it's like, oh, we're in this together, guys. Yeah. We're, 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 we're exactly. on fire, falling from the sky, but at least we're together yeah, doing this. Yeah, that. And then even with me, like, no matter what, like, if you're playing it and you like and you enjoy that music, like, it's you're getting that, like, vibe from it. So you're still getting to just hear music. You're not hearing, like, the silence of the crowd. Mm. Um, so I would say that that's probably easier. What kind of crowds are not – like, what was an experience you had playing music to a crowd that we're not um, having it? I don't know, not a ton, man. Um, I don't have a ton of oh. that like you, stuff. You guys were that good? Um, no, it's just like we didn't like. I'm, I don't have a lot of playing out stuff, um, mm-hmm. just because like I was a lot of studio stuff, and I'm releasing a lot of music, but never really coming around to playing a lot of it. Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't think I have any good stories there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm more curious to know about your music side right now because you've mentioned you come a father who's a musician. Yes, he is. Uh, was there any pressure when you, you try to learn or no not at all did, did you try to learn drumming um i wanted okay so when i was a kid that was all i wanted to do was drum drum um and so then when to i be was like, like dad yeah totally and, and you're the only child um from that marriage yes but okay. um from the once they divorced separate marriages deal and step siblings i've ended up with seven brothers um oh so, younger or older um two older um the rest younger how, how was it like like the, growing up like dynamic wise well how was it like coming into the pack um honestly not too hard like no. it was pretty great um the first like uh the night that i met my two older stepbrothers were the first siblings i ever got and my dad like took me to meet him and everything um and he was like look like these are my girlfriend's kids like they're really cool they're both like they're one and two years older than you like it'll be yeah. fun and i was like mm, five um and i was supposed to stay at their house that night and i was like a horribly like anxiety ridden little kid um and I went to their house and that night I was like sleeping on the floor in their bedroom. It was dead silent. It had been so awkward all night. Like we just like, what, yeah, I don't know what to say to these kids. Right. Like, <laughs> and, like you're still kids, but like meeting under that context is yeah. weird. And, um, I was laying there and like, we were all obviously awake, but no one was saying anything. And then, um, I think it was my brother, Jake, um, who just dead of night just went, we hate you. And I was like, <laughs> uh, and I just cried silently myself. And now, my fucking best friend man he's the best but yeah. um that dynamic it was like that was did he ever explain why they hated you nope i've never really asked to this day <laughs> yeah um but uh we honestly after that night it was just like it was just easy like we've just got along perfectly how, how did that happen how, how did it go from i hate you oh, crying by, by yourself to waking up like oh we're best friends now i don't know we just like or is that a catholic thing it's like oh that's a sign of their approval that yeah it kind of is they're catholic um so like <laughs> that like truly um it's like they hate me i belong here yep yeah we all hate ourselves we hate each other we might as well just hang out yeah. like um they uh we i don't it was like a switch flipped and then like we just everything we did was together um, it was the bomb. Like it was just like built in friends, man. Um, and then, like I said, having my, like my oldest brother Phoenix is two years older than me. Um, and so he was always just like a little bit detached from us. Um, mm-hmm. just barely. Cause Jake and I just got along like perfectly cause we were so close in age and, um, we just like to have fun and we like to laugh about stuff. A lot of the storytelling, like I attribute so much of my, like want to tell stories and write things just from like, just from playing with him. Cause all we would do was just make up just crazy elaborate stories about things and that was it hmm. um that was the entire entire essence of what we would do is um, he also into uh, show business like no that? he's not um he's an army dude oh, yeah? um yeah like 
amazing. Like he's done incredible things, which is so great. But no, he's not. Um, but I totally like my sense of humor. Everything I would do, I would say like yeah, that's definitely from Jake. How about how about the much older one? Uh, Phoenix is he's very like fitness gym driven. So um, we we like he was always very like like super handsome in shape like good at at like every sport that he tried just like that cool person um so there was always like a little bit of space between us just because like i don't feel that like we were just into different things completely um like until like until they were 14 they lived in newark um and so they were very into that like bay area sort of hip-hop culture and i was not um, so there was like where there was you were with your drums yeah exactly um, well, get some guitar, country? yeah guitar at the time not country that oh, never so, you, was, so um, you went from drums to guitar well I wanted to play drums um, and my dad had a drum set that I got to play all the time until my parents got divorced um, and well and then when I would visit him I would get to play it um, but he got me a guitar when I was like for my fifth birthday he got me like a kid sized guitar um, and I was like I want to play drums and my mom said those are too loud you can play guitar though and I was like alright um, so I just did that um, until like I started playing in bands and stuff, and that's when I met like people with drums and went, oh, I could just buy them, um, and I just got them and was like, deal, like I'm yeah. gonna play, I'm gonna play drums now, um, and now I'm like I do like studio work as a drummer, which is funny that it came back around that way. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah. what, what kind of drumming do you think you're most uh, uh, into? Like, Ooh, did, did, um, did you get into jazz drumming or or, you, um, or strictly like rock and that's rock. it was just rock and stuff like that that yeah, was where kind of four, that four was beats my, and stuff yeah a lot of that um and i love like experimental jazz stuff and i would i try to push myself to play more of that in my practicing and stuff because yeah. i think that's just that's just going to make me better um but that's not something that i th- i don't think i'm at that level of any jazz musician um as far as drumming goes because their drumming is just it's insane it's so incredible yeah um, i could not i can't fathom it um, just like the the improvisation that goes into that, it's absolutely nuts. Um, but I'm really into that like um, sort of, like I said, like that ambient like indie kind of experimental stuff now. So um, my drumming I think reflects a lot of that. Where it seems um, I like it like when it's really tight and some songs sound like almost artificial, um, but it's not, and that's what I like about it. Um, like like do you add effects to it? No, no, I just like, I like being that tight and that concise where it's like, it's, it's a human version of like a drum machine. Yeah. Of something like that. Okay. Um, what's your take on drum machines? Um, I don't mind them. I mean, if you really, I mean like I, if you want to use it, dude, use it. Um, like if that's going to, if that's what your like music calls for, dude, like whatever, I would personally (laughs) not want to do that. Um, and like, especially like studio work, I'd be like, just get a drummer, (laughs) like just have them do it. It'll sound so much better. But, um, you know, I mean, I haven't used one. I don't know. Um, it's It would probably be a lot easier to write just in general if I had a drum machine that I could just loop something on. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't mind. One of my favorite bands in the world is this band called um, Bosnian Rainbows. Everyone should look them up. Bosnian Rainbows. Yeah, absolutely. Are they from incredible. Bosnia? No. They're, um, they're like this weird um, mashup of, like, the band, like, people that have played in, like, the Mars Volta and then one of my other favorite bands, La Butcherettes, their singer um, sings for Bosnian Rainbows. She's absolutely incredible. Um, but it's like it's sort of that like um, indie experimental like vibe that I really love. Um, and they have stuff. Their drummer, everyone in that band has a keyboard, um, even their drummer. And their drummer just plays with a kick, um, a snare, and a hi hat. And then that like key part. Um, their guitar player has a keyboard as well. She does some of it. Their bass player has it too or... is, it, is it like a keytar 
Um, no, it's just like it's an analog keyboard that sits like in front of all of them. Oh, okay. um, so they all and it's like very heavy like effects like, mm-hmm. but not like overwhelming overwhelmingly so. But he that's a perfect example of that. Like that's not a drum machine. That's D'Antoni Parks, incredible drummer. Uh-huh. But he's just he's just so good that he can play it like that, and it makes it just sound so much more full. So like I said, drum machine, I don't mind it. I would rather see someone not play with it. Um, but you know. Uh, it's not for me, I guess. As far as the guitar playing, you started mm-hmm. with an acoustic, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, it was impressed to me from early on that, like, you learn on an acoustic guitar. Uh, steel strings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you see. And it makes you. You, you got to make your, your fingers suffer a bit. Exactly, yeah. You got to, you have to push real hard and make it, um, you got to, you got to hate it a little bit to yeah. like get to the point where you're like oh this is the cool part yeah um i remember, so, yeah. I remember when i first started out my like i was like maybe i should get acoustic strings so you be easy on the fingers because mm-hmm. people were telling me yeah and my my buddy i call him my my music mentor there he you goes go. you want to play the blues right it's like yeah. yeah well why don't you suffer while you're playing the blues yeah it's like what do you mean by that like get some still strings you little yeah. pussy built in. <laughs> yeah it's built in <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and he goes and, and uh did you start off with medium gauges? Or? Um, yeah, and then yeah. I switched to a heavier gauge pretty quick after that. I play pretty heavy gauge strings. Um, but yeah, I, I can't um, do that right now. I, heavy uh, gauges? Oh my god! The thing is, is I play really gruffly. Like I'm pr- like pretty heavy handed. Um, mm. Like my hands aren't like they're like pretty like I have like sausage fingers, man. Um, Makes two of so, us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I got like I play heavier gauge strings. Number one, it helps my, keep my guitar in tune. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's easier for me to like, just make it sound how it's, if it was thin gauge, I would just be so sloppy. I need to have to like work at it a little bit. Um, and then like with the hardcore bands and stuff I played in, like drop tuning is a little bit like, it's like par for the course. So heavier gauge strings make that a little easier. (laughs) Now I assume you were exposed to country, Mm -hmm. uh, guitar playing. Yep. Uh, is that the stuff you first learned to play? No, no. I went straight into like the rock stuff. Um, so went to like barcodes and stuff? Yep. Um, I was, barcodes. Uh, is that what you said? Barcodes. Barcodes. Yep. I was really into uh, retail work um, from early <laughs> on. Uh, I had like a tiny price scanner that my family got me. I knew all the codes yeah. for fruit. Uh-huh. So when I entered into that market, I was like primed. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I. Uh, one of my uncles got me... Um, like the Ramones Rocket to Russia CD when I was pretty young oh, and that uh it really did it Fucking for me a. yeah so yeah Fucking so a, from dude. the get go I was like that is that's what I want to play yeah like I'm I'm not interested in the uh I'm not interested in this like twang country stuff um and now that I'm older I I appreciate it much much more um and I'm like I'm into it at, to a certain point um I hear you man cause my dad he, he when he was my age he was a drummer mm-hmm. as well yeah okay uh, he gave it up once, you know, I started family. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, at a young age, he exposed some pretty good goddamn music, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I'm a big fan of Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. Uh, big fan Ooh. of... Uh, My dad plays in a Tom Petty kind of the 70s. Does he? Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Called the Wallflowers. Everyone look them up. They're actually really, really the good. The Wallflowers? Yep. Isn't that Bob Dylan's son's band? Um. Oh, Wildflowers. Wildflowers? Wildflowers. And is... then he plays in Way Out West, too. I, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, some Tom Petty cover band. They're great, though. Wallflowers is Do- Bob Dylan's son's band, though. Yeah, um, I've seen them. They're actually really good. And and but I don't I didn't really fully appreciate that music until mm-hmm. I got older. You got to be older. I guess once I got into college, mm-hmm. and, I was, and I was like, oh, kind of got tired. And I realized, you know, maybe this whole time I pretended to like certain music just to fit in. Mm, like, yeah, in my teenage years. That's fair. Yeah. 
you ever had that? I could get or probably not because you were totally. play, you were playing music. So well, the other part of that is like um, I I went into high school not like the like the um, the uh, like whole hardcore music punk thing. Like I like liked like the early like iterations of that but i wasn't into like the super crazy heavy music that i got into later and i did like start listening to it specifically because i was like okay well like these are what all the people i like listen to like i should try that and then i found just a couple that like i really loved um that became like my favorite bands um and led me to a lot of my other favorite bands fortunately um but i did like i did kind of force myself to like sit down and listen to stuff that i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like this but Mm. Um. Yeah. That. I mean, trying to find like your personality. You know, trying on different suits. I guess. So you started rock and roll. Mm-hmm, totally. Uh, um. What, what kind of punk you said? Yeah. Now punk. you said Ramones, but I assume if you're doing a lot of um, well, the, bar chords, you probably like Green Day stuff. Yeah. The first record I ever bought myself um was Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American, and I still listen to it at least once a week. That's a good band. Jimmy oh Eat my god. Yeah. The the best one of the best um that record just it awakened something else in me where i it was the first band that i was like this is a band that like i it was the first time that i felt like i felt found a band and was like oh this is for me Mm. um so that was that was it and there's like not a lot of frills to jimmy world it's very like straightforward this is rock music like it's what you're you're getting what you pay for um and so that was that really did it for me um so the getting the ramones that the first CD I ever stole was uh, Blink-182's Enema of the State. I was young enough to where that was just right up my alley, too. So that they're all within the same sort of wheelhouse, I think. Um, they exist within the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Ramones didn't exist, Jimmy World and Blink-182 definitely wouldn't. So, right. um, yeah, I can trace it back to there. And then um, and then Guns N' Roses, too, was... They were kind of the band for me for a long time. So, so tell me a bit about your experience uh, of forming bands, um, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> totally, man. Is that why you you just you know I'm just gonna be a studio drummer? Yeah. Just come um, in and go. That you know I ju- I had no intention of doing that, and I fell. I totally fell into it. Mm. It's I got asked to do it one time, and I've been asked to do it since then. Is really it? How many bands have you been drumming for their albums or EPs? Um, I really do like single songs, and I help people like write them that way. And I've only maybe done like seven or so over the last like six months cool man um yeah it's really it's so much fun um because i that's my favorite part about music is the writing it and like the sitting down and like finding that like cool groove where you go like oh we all hit this like it's just i smile every single time like i'm like a like a little kid do do you just Um, not not like playing in front of an uh no it's not that i don't it's just like i would um my my career with bands was plagued with like writing music and then as soon as it was done like we all like got busy with other stuff so we just didn't really get to a ton Mm. that was totally it and then it was like it was that on to the next thing then I got into I'll get into something else um and I played with like the same core people a lot of the time too we just like we were just changing as people because we were all so young when we met um that you could see us like genre wise like just going um in like a weird on like a weird roller coaster where we would just get into like the same music at the same time so we would just shift what we wanted to be playing Mm. um so we would just leave a lot of stuff in the dust and be like that's just not what i'm interested in anymore um so it's been yeah it's been weird (laughs) i get it man uh you know for for me i just i just started playing guitar Mm -hmm. a year and a half ago okay cool two years and i knew i can start i want to be a blues player but Mm -hmm. i gotta learn some basic folksy stuff totally so i got i got into that Oh, folk and, is so great. 
Um, but eventually, I want to transition to more harder rock and roll mm-hmm. or totally. bluesy stuff. Yeah, and and, and dabble maybe even ska. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that as a musician, you kind of have to go through that, right? You have to go through different phases yeah. of music to yeah. really culminate your own voice. Yep. That's why, like, or every, your own sound. That's why so many bands have like their oh, that's their Radiohead record. Um, <laughs> like, that's the that's when they started listening to that. Uh, you can tell. Yeah. Um. So or it's so like, funny. You can map out the trajectory of a band. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> this is like it's like uh they like when bands just shift their sound. I'm like oh, what were you listening to? Like you guys were touring and you obviously saw something that just totally shifted your whole view. Um, and I love that. Like I, I, that is like so dear to me when I see bands change like that. Those are usually my favorite records by them is when I go like, Oh, this doesn't even sound like you anymore. Yeah. This is great. Um, so, uh, that, yeah, that, I think the phases thing is what has like defined my musical career. Yeah. What's well, um, part of the evolution of, of your yeah. musical sound? Yeah. And I just love, like I said, I love the experimenting and creating so much. So I put so much more value in the writing of it than the, yeah. uh, then like once it's done, I'm just I, like I'm almost bored of it. Um, so you never considered kind of going a solo guitar singing act? I'm no, not really. I just don't think I'm a fantastic singer. And lyrics wise, I'm I just can't do it. I don't know what my deal is. Um, but I've never just been like sat down and been able to go like, oh yeah, this is what I should say here. Like it's just never. It's nothing has ever struck me as the right thing. You know, um, it's funny. I'm the opposite. Me really because I know okay. for me, mm-hmm. I come from a writing perspective. Mm-hmm. Like. And I was like, you know what? I'm not the best guitar player. Okay. I suck. Yeah, me either. And I don't have the best uh, vocals. Okay. Like, I can't sing for shit. Totally. So I rely heavily on my lyrics. Oh, yeah. I see. Uh, I put a lot more value when I can go like, this person's which, not the best singer, but listen to it. But, but Which is why I'm kind of gearing towards folk right now. You know, kind of like the Woody Guthrie stuff. Yeah. Because it's like. Hey, you want to talk about someone who doesn't have the best singing voice? Bob Dylan. Yeah, amazing music, but like if you put him up against someone, he... but, but here's the crazy thing about Bob Dylan. There's some like I've heard about the bootleg uh, uh, album he made. No, pretty much you know every knows most the mainstream people know Bob Dylan of his '60s you know mm-hmm. albums, right? Yeah. You know, um, incredible, blown in the wind and all yeah. that, which is the the twangy n- yep. nasally Bob yep. Dylan. And when he went electric in the early '70s, mm-hmm. people were just like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah. And so he kind of went through this period, like for six years, he didn't tour nor nothing. Yep. But he was in a basement jamming with friends. Oh, really? And they re- and they recorded their their, their um some songs. Mm-hmm. And he sings on key. He wow. can sing on key. Okay. And you would almost not recognize as Bob Dylan. Wow. But it tells you that he can't. He knows how to sing on key. Yeah. But he chooses not to. Okay. Which that- which. Which is a risk, but I think it's in history has taught us that it worked for him because yeah, his, totally his sound is recognizable to him only. Well, that's it's the it's like analogous with Picasso, where like amazing realism painter at the age of six, but um, he chose not to do that. Like he has the artistic ability to paint absolutely flawlessly, yeah, but he chooses to be abstract because why not? Right. Yeah. So, so. With, with Bob Dylan, I feel I feel like you know. I, for me, he's one of my biggest inspirations, oh, music-wise, especially, especially sure. because I'm I'm relying on lyrics. Yeah, and Tom Petty, because for me, Tom Petty is a masterclass songwriter, uh, oh, lyric yeah. writer. Uh, yeah, for sure, um, relatable, totally. And 
I don't know. I, I think it's, it's for me at least, it's like, all right, rely on my lyrics first. Mm-hmm. and then. And, but now I'm kind of changing. Now now that I'm getting more experience with playing guitar, mm-hmm. I'm kind of going on melodies sometimes first. Yeah, do you think it's like letting you say what you want to without like having to necessarily with the lyrics, like tone-wise? Because that's where I think about it is I go like, yeah. I can totally express the feeling I want to with this sound. And then the lyrics will like icing on the cake. They gotta be good for it to be there, but like it's only it should only like enhance what is there. Um, it's yeah. the same way like you could flip it and be like, my lyrics are good. The music should only enhance these. It's like you you could say it either way. Okay. Um, I think, but it's cool that you're like, I think the bit like I said, biggest part about music is like kind of transitioning what you do. Um, so having like hearing you say like, oh, and now getting more into the melody is like, yeah, you're. You're a musician, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really like to say I'm a musician because I can't compare myself to the other people. Do you, do you play an instrument? Yeah. And you yeah. write? What's you're, that? And you write? Yeah. You're a musician. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. Uh, but so then I want to transition not to comedy. Okay, A bit totally. more. Yeah. Uh, we Obviously, your first inspirations are Idiot Izzard and... And, and Patton um, Oswalt, yeah. Patton Oswalt. How about now? Oh, man. Uh, Moshe Kasher, Natasha Leggero. Oh, the, two, the married couple. John Mulaney. Yeah, I just <laughs> saw them last Saturday on their honeymoon tour, uh, man. In Santa Cruz. Um, I In Oakland, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but them two, for sure. Moshe Kasher, from like the first time I saw him, um, he just, oh, he did it for me. Like, it was just, I, I saw a person that was like... Um, I, I, I had to, I saw his special. Mm-hmm. I kind of had to, for the first half i kind of had to like you know really understand like yeah or, or really get i i had pretty much i had to get it work to like him mm-hmm. once the second half of the, of the special came i, I kind of like yeah he, i dug it i uh i distinctively remember like the moment when i went i think this guy's like one of my favorites is i was watching his special for the first time and there was the part where um he like talks about how he doesn't dress like a straight person and he's like what does straight people clothes even look like like i just like wear a suit of armor and like march around saying like i love pussy and i laughed I like cried from laughing and I was just sitting in my room alone and that's why I was like uh I get it like this guy's real good yeah um and it's like it's not his style is definitely not for everyone but I just think he's he's so great and same with Natasha Leggero she's just oh my god I think she's just hilarious yeah uh so both of them I feel like are very underrated um maybe not I think they get a lot of credit now but um and then John Mulaney also, because John Mulaney is doing the most pure form of stand-up I think that exists right now. Like that, if you say you stand-up are comedian, the third comedian guest I had on that puts John Mulaney, John Mulaney on that. Tier, oh yeah, tier. I would say like I would put him right up there, like a Mitch Hedberg, Steve Martin, John Mulaney. Like he's the one that we will talk about later because he's just, it's it like I said, he just he's perfect stand-up comedy. It's crazy. Oh, okay. It's like there's no gimmick to it or anything. He gets up there in a suit and says, let me tell you about this. And, and, and it's hilarious. So what makes him stand out from the, the other people? Because that, that's quite a statement. When, oh, when I my, think so, when, for sure. When my guests say he's like the purest form of stand-up. Uh-huh. Because I'm not really on that train necessarily. That's fair. Okay. Uh, I don't dislike Mulaney. I think I think for people to not be on that train only makes me, only makes me believe it more. Yeah? Um, yeah. How's that? Um, just because I think... Um, a lot of stand-up is um, having people not be into what you're doing. If everyone loved it, then I'd be like, this isn't really stand-up. Kinda, you're kind of Bill H- Hicksing it? Yeah, a little. Yeah, <laughs> every, it can't be for everyone. Otherwise, it's not funny. Like right. Then it's just like, 
like it's it's like you can't be really really happy if you're not sad also at the, like sometimes right um so you have to have people not like what you're doing to get better and john mulaney so if someone's like oh i wouldn't put him on that level i go respect like totally why not that just means that john mulaney will like like has more people like that he can still do comedy for um like light already shines in the church i'm not like he's he's won me he doesn't have to work for that anymore but um he i you know it's hard to define it's like it's like with steve martin he was like doing anti-comedy you know where he just kind of got up there and was uh, he just like existed and would very it was very meta where it was like very apparent he, he was not he knew he was doing a show and mm-hmm. made the audience know all right let's get started we're doing a show um and i think that anti-comedy informed comedy for so long until net and then john mulaney is like the comedian now that is doing the anti-comedy which is just regular comedy again though um because everyone is so into that like the steve martin kind of influenced humor with mitch hedberg i think is a great example of that too um, i love mitch hedberg oh he's incredible yeah absolutely well yeah just amazing um like unrefutably good um, i think brian regan too is someone like that um but john mulaney like i said it's just like it's like john mulaney could have existed in like the 60s when stand-up was like coming and um and he would have done just as well as he does now because hmm. it's just like it's just like a pure stand-up comedian doing stand-up comedy i i love him so much hmm. um it's a really it's very inspirational for me to see people like that like even when he's just doing like small sets that you like catch on the internet or on like like the meltdown tv show and stuff like that he did like an unprepared set about that show the jinx and it was hilarious <laughs> um he's just he's got a brain for it okay who, who else is on your on your list who um there's a lot of people um chelsea peretti i really like like if someone is from here yeah. like i i love them um like someone who does uh, your show um, like almost weekly, um, Chris Nasco. Chris Oh, uh, Nasco's great. He incredible. Yeah. Like everything, every joke he tells, I think is really great. Yeah. And he's someone that I would be like, yeah, I would put them, I would put him up there for sure as someone that I really, really love. Yeah. Um, I, f- I feel lucky when I get to see him because um, he's just so good. Um, let's see. Uh, it's oh my gosh, um, Pat Oswalt still I still love T.J. Miller. Um, really does it for me. Um, no, it's tough. Nick Thune, I like a lot. I, I think you named enough to prove. Yeah, your point. My, my uh, salt. I'm very. I'm such a nerd about it. So, uh, how was it transitioning from the music community network uh-huh. to the comedy community network? Because you kind of, you kind of seeing both worlds, both I, the the pretty and the ugly stuff. Because you you done mics in the East Bay, you done mics yeah. in SF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In San Jose. Yeah, um, you, you clearly see there's d- distinguish in the way things are run in mm-hmm. the crowds. Yeah, they're very different. Um, for being so close in like proximity, they're crazily different. Mm. Um, and now I'm like looking over into like the like Sacramento area stuff and looking to go like start doing stuff out there too. And even that, I'm like, this is gonna be crazily. Di- it's gonna be so different. It's gonna be weird. Um, what's nice, like music, like the comedy in the music worlds seems so similar to me. Um, because like when you're in a band and you're hanging out with like other bands or people in your band, you're just jo- like, you're just making jokes. Like that's all you're doing. Like it, you just turn it off when you're playing the music, but then you're just laughing about crap all the time. Um, it's just, and it's comedy's the same way. It's just like, you're just hanging out with people that want to make jokes. Um, so they're really similar. Um, and I think honestly, like I heard, I don't remember who it was one time, 
I think it was Dave Grohl who said like every musician wishes they were a comedian and every comedian wishes they were a musician. And I was like, that's probably true. Like, <laughs> um, so I like, I really think like, it's like analogous situations almost. Um, it's kind of crazy. Now you got a third, mm-hmm. uh, uh, creative organ, which is screenwriting. Yes. You're, I think that's how we met, right? Yeah, the, we did. We met in that class. class. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, which by the way, your script, like the idea for it, absolutely incredible yeah, i love it so it's much still up there i, still I have to finish it i love it I love that, that's my screenplay board those are oh awesome so i finished the screenplay up there so i have to edit that and i'm currently working on that one then the web series fantastic i love it but but i'm glad i'm glad that you like the the concept at least i mm-hmm. hope i hope uh once it comes out um if it ever gets produced hopefully it's okay I don't yeah know. yeah uh but h- how did you get into that um you know um it was just I it, like the truth of the the end of it is I love TV so much um, that I and I loved making up stories so much that I was like oh I could like someone has to write those um, and then I found out you could go to school for it and was like okay um, that's what I'll like that's what I'll do um, and so it's it's again it's just something that I like like had an epiphany that you could just that just happened. Um, and it took me like seeing like my first couple Wes Anderson films, like knowingly knowing that they were Wes Anderson to really think like, okay, like this is something that I would, would really love to do. Um, so it, I mean, it's when I saw, I think it was Moonrise Kingdom that I saw first, like in theaters, knowing it was Wes Anderson. I had seen like the others just not knowing who really was. you couldn't see like there's a, a certain style oh i like i could recognize the style but i never like had thought to ask like who who directed this okay Um, which is so funny because like owen wilson writes a lot of those movies (laughs) um and i had no idea until i like really got into it um which i'll also say i think we talked about quentin tarantino at the beginning everyone like wes anderson has like such a firm grip on like the film community too it's like the same idea but everyone who likes wes anderson just makes fun of people who like quentin tarantino it's the dumbest thing in the world. Um, Wait, I hear what it do you so mean by that? much. Like people love to like go like, "Oh, you're a film student. Let me go. You love Quentin Tarantino," and they like laugh about it. Those same people are the ones who are like, "Wes Anderson is like a god," and I'm like, "Same thing, buddy." Yeah. Like, hey. Definitive hey. style. They do kind of one thing, and yeah. it's good. But if you can't see that's the same kind of thing, what is wrong with you? Um, as, mu- as, as, as much as you're into screenwriting and TV, mm-hmm. do you see uh, uh, yourself as a filmmaker as well? Um, as of recently, yeah, actually, it's been, um, I've been so hesitant to call myself that for so long. Why? Um, cause I was just afraid that it, I didn't fit it. Like that I wasn't good enough to call myself that. Um, like where did I, that come from? Um, that insecurity. Um, have you shot stuff? Yeah, I've made stuff. Um, you're a filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's kind of took, it took that Scott Sublet sitting down and going like, do you write? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, have you written? And I was like, yeah. And he went, you're a writer. And I was like, oh, I am. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, and it's more like I just look uh, – I look at all of those things as like these different art forms that I do. And it's like I just I, – I'm afraid to say like, oh, I like I'm an artist or something because I feel like that carries so much weight. Right. Um, now, do you feel like if you – would you like to be a filmmaker that has a distinct voice like Tarantino oh, and Wes Anderson? Totally. My okay. idea, like the idea that I have of myself is that I love Wes Anderson so, so much. And I respect his style so much that I want to just run in the opposite direction. Um, because I don't want, because he's so good that I don't want to be compared to him. 
because I just don't think I would ever measure up at all. But you um, want to have your own distinct style. Yeah. That when people watch your films, like, oh, this is a Austin Baylock film. Yep. Yep. Um, totally. You have um, such a filmmaker name too. Austin Blaylock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I like my name I, a lot. I, I imagine that on like on a movie poster. Oh, I would love directed that. by thank Austin Blaylock. Yeah, I would love. That's I mean that's like the for dream. me. Look at my name, Jorge M. Sanchez. Like, oh, is that some a foreign movie? I don't yeah, know. If you, anywhere but California, they'd be like, who's George Sanchez? Yeah, <laughs> like, well, yeah. it's a weird way to spell that. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I uh, yeah, I um, I think especially now with like having completed the film that I just wrote. Um, with the full intention of like, all right, I'm just going to make this like, this is, that's how that happens. Um, I've now, like, I can look at myself and go like, yeah, like, like I am that, like, I am a filmmaker. I am like a writer and stuff. And it's really like, I was just like, I was afraid of letting, like putting that label on myself and then like letting people down. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm above labels or anything. It was purely from like, I don't think I'm good enough. Um, it's funny that you mentioned labels, man, because I, I, have trouble with that too yeah it's hard um, um like it took a long time for me to be like yeah i'm a comedian like yeah. i am um because i didn't want to like say that to this then, day like, I, no. I don't come i don't i don't really like saying i'm a comedian i run a fucking comedy yeah i think you're a comedian totally <laughs> i honestly like when i see you do stand up i laugh every time i think you're uh, good. I, I, the last couple times i've been fucked uh well you didn't even do anything this exactly <laughs> exactly um, uh, i'm not gonna like lie to you or anything but i think no i think you're i totally think you are i think especially you run a show like yeah that takes like a comedian brain to go like oh i want a room um Oh, that's a funny story. That's a whole different story. Really? Cause I, oh, awesome. Because cause I, I got that room. It's funny because last night I was hanging out with some comics uh-huh. who run rooms. And we had okay. a discussion like this. Because I remember uh, for Scott, he came out of nowhere for me. I just really? started doing comedy. Wow. Until the opportunity they offered me. Whoa, I never, I mean, they uh, must have faith in me then, man. Because at the time, I was like a regular comic going there. Okay, Like cool. comedians will come and go. But I would stick around and hang out with my friends who are musicians mm-hmm. at the open mics. Okay. And I was like, I don't know if I should because like, I'm not even that good. I just started. Okay. And, and, you know, and uh, due to some, you know, uh, show business politics, you don't want to step on people's feet. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I took a risk and be like, yeah, I'm going to try it out. And I learned a lot from it. You were in a great room. Um, thank you. And, uh, but it's funny, like that, that room went to three different phases mm-hmm. the, the 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 way you, you see it now it's different really yeah okay like when i when i try to run it the first time i try to run it like a bar okay which is very straightforward yep yep um and then later i took a hiatus and somebody else did it kind of took it to the ground i'm mm-hmm. not sure if you went when i was not there so i don't think so so when i brought it back uh-huh. I, i've already had experience producing other stuff i produced some music shows I, pro- okay. I produced two film festivals oh awesome um i worked in film so wow so when i came into for scotty again and this time with fresh new eyes mm-hmm. i kind of made it more of a collaborative thing so, yeah so i mentioned my for scotty writers so yeah it's like, it's like yeah i've heard of, on the podcast i've heard about that yeah so i have these the, a couple comics and, and writers who help me come with monologue jokes every week mm-hmm. uh and we do sketches and improv. And we it's a uh, like is it Miranda and Jacob Wheeler? The, Jacob Wheels. Yeah. yeah, Wheels. Yeah, Wheeler. Um, That's a better name. I'm gonna for call him Wheeler now. <laughs> um, they're too. They're both so funny too, man. But but I took the idea mm-hmm. from trying to learn TV writing mm-hmm. and having a TV writing room. Yep. And trust me, dude, it's fun. Yeah, monologues like writing uh, monologues for TV. Well, the fact I can for, imagine for writing for each other. Really. Oh yeah. Um, 
because because not only are you writing for your own style, you're writing for someone else's style. Mm-hmm. And for me, it took to it, it, I had to adjust because I'm like, oh, I can't really. I wrote this joke for Jacob, but he can't really do that. Mm. Or he doesn't want to do that because that's not what he does. Yeah. So okay. I have to like, all right, I have to think more about. Yeah, I've never I've never done that. I've never written a joke for anyone but myself, so yeah. I can't. It's harder it's than gotta it sounds, be, but it's, it's a good be skill so set. Yeah. yeah, it's something I would love to. Fl- I should flex that muscle. Jeez. Um, because you can't, yeah, you can't go like, oh, this is my voice, mm. but do this joke. Like, like I could get up there and do like, I could do like a, one of your jokes and people would be like, oh, that is your, that's his. That's why I've, t- I've told you about my idea. I really want to open a room um, and I want to call it um, comedy karaoke where the rule is, is you have to go up there and you do someone else's joke and you tell them like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and you like have to listen to them do it and you go up and do it yourself. Um, because it'll be totally different. That's so edgy. And I think it would be so funny. Um, because you, number one, you get to see a lot of people crash and burn and be like, you gotta, like, you got a voice, like expand it a little, but like, it's, I think it'd be a cool, like exercise to do. And plus like, I would, it would just be so number one, flattering to have someone be like, I want to do your joke. Um, and then number two, like watch people do that. I think would just be hilarious. Have you, have you ever heard someone tell a joke? your joke or like a joke similar to yours um no i've heard like similar premises yeah um, but, but n- nobody has straight out stolen a joke no, from no, you. no 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 i don't think i'm good enough for that <laughs> like, i don't think you'll be surprised dude you'll oh, be that surprised. would bum me out i mean it'd be halfway uh, like well that's like sweet that you thought it was that good <laughs> but um no i've never i've never had that i would i i i hope within this community especially because we are all on like a lower level um that that's like that we're aware of that um that and that like pe- we understand like stealing someone's joke isn't gonna make you better um mm-hmm. it's just that you're you're not er- like you didn't earn that laugh you're not any better because of it um but no have you had that uh premises but not straight okay. up the same ones but yeah I, I don't think i would like it very much i would it would bum me out oh. it would but like i said i would be like i'm flattered but ew like <laughs> why would you do that um, and some people's like, I mean, premises are like hard because I, I mean the news, like most of people's up materials, like we've all, we've all seen the same stuff. Right. Um, so there's been nights like at Friscotti where someone's gotten up and done a joke before me and I've gone like, well, I'm not going to do mine now. Yeah. Like cross it off. Can't um, do my dick joke now. Yeah, exactly. Like man, or, like or this, poop joke. everything to be said about dicks has been said, <laughs> like shut it down now. Yeah. Um, but exact. I've never, I've never experienced that. Um, and that, that, that room, like I said, it's just an idea. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but, um, that room would be like a, like just a way to go. Like we're all going to do each other's stuff and it's going to be funny. And that's the point of this show. So like maybe, maybe you find a different joke in there. Mm-hmm. That lets you like build it up into being a totally different joke, or maybe your punchline like you say the same thing, but the punchline is different because of how you tell this joke. Hmm. Um, and I think it just be a it's a cool performing exercise rather than a writing exercise, you know. Um, yeah, it'd be really fun. Um, but no, I've never had someone steal my joke. No, thank God. All right, uh, before we go, because we're, yeah. we're hitting that one hour mark, I still want to get more into you and your film writing, though. Okay, okay, yeah, let's Who, knock it out. You, you mentioned Wes Anderson as an inspiration. Yes, yours. totally. Do you have any others? Um, Megan Gans, mm-hmm. who is um, she's written for Community and Always Sunny, or she's written for Community and Modern Family, 
Um, she wrote a lot of my favorite show or episodes. Is she of those a showrunner? Um, no, she's just a writer, and now she's working on Always Sunny. So this next season, she'll be writing on that, which is Best of Both Worlds. That's my absolute favorite show in the entire world. Mine too. I it's, love that movie. Oh my god, uh, I could TV talk show. about that for. I tell people all the time, my podcast Board to Life is an Always Sunny podcast where we just don't always talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so her really big. Um, the I have a couple directors that I really like. Um, who it's all that kind of like sort of European style, like Wes Anderson kind of has that like really dry um, kind of deal. Like I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world so much. I think that movie's fantastic. Um, not that that has like writing per se, cause it was adapted, but um, the style of that, yeah. like very, it's almost like um, heavy artifice in the things that I do that. I just, I like that. It's obviously like this world is tilted a little bit. Um, but on the surreal. Yeah, I like I like edging on that surreal side of things because I think like if this is the only time you're gonna get to do that, like why not? Um, um, who else? TV. Oh, Harris Whittles. Um, huge for me. Um, R.I.P. Um, he wrote for like Parks and Rec and the Sarah Silverman Show for a long time. Probably the funniest person I've ever heard in my life. Um, What's the creative process for you? For me? Going from um, ideas to the page. Ooh, it's tough. Um, honestly, a lot of stuff I uh, I take from just my real life. And then I think of like a funny, surreal spin on that. Like, for example, I'll talk about what I'm um, in drafts of right now is this movie that I'm writing called Morning People, which is essentially just a movie about um, this person I dated about a year ago. And like what my process for trying to get this person to be interested in me was because she was very, very religious and still is. She's awesome. She's very nice. Um, and I am just personally not that, um, not like antagonistically, but I'm just like, I haven't really found what does it for me. Um, and so I was like, oh, I could write a movie about that, but it would kind of be like every other movie like that. So then I framed it. I'm like, okay, well, what if he worked for a funeral home? Right. And then which you did, you mentioned, yeah, he accidentally kills himself or, um, he accidentally electrocutes himself and everyone thinks that he killed himself. Right or tried to and three days later he comes out of his coma they think that he's like this prophet delivered from God so it becomes a movie that is still about like the pursuit of this one girl in almost like a grotesque way Mm -hmm. um but framed in this like um weird surreal like religious like text um so everything that I do from that is I go like what if this it always it almost always comes from a title um, like I was looking for a title for like a web series I want to write about working for a coffee shop because I worked for Starbucks for like four years. Um, and my girlfriend at the time said, oh, you should call it Morning People. And I said, ah, that'd be funnier if it was about like a funeral home. And then I went, oh, my God, <laughs> I have to write that. Right. Um, yeah. And then I've already got like a new project in my head. So I got to finish this one now. So you, um, you think of titles first before the story. Totally. Interesting. Yeah. And like I said, it's always like I, I just take stuff from my real life. Um because I just think like there's I just think I it's interesting to watch that stuff for me mm-hmm. and I think it adds just just enough relatability framed within that like weird surreal like comedy element of it that um, that's where I want to exist um, completely so yeah it's like it's hard to explain um, but I want it's I want to show like the like the way the world is perceived when I remember it as like this more extravagant wet like thing um i want to show that in the like in film um i want to take the moments of my life that seem like sort of mundane that everyone goes through and just make it just like i said just tilt the lens a little bit so it's it just becomes a little crazier 
and that's that's where I like things to exist in that like weird controlled chaotic alternate weird deal how old are you Austin I'm 23 you're 23 I'm 23 years old now blink 182 take take all your experiences in music and comedy yeah. and writing and TV writing or in, in screenplay mm-hmm. writing, what is it that you feel could reflect back and how you it changed you as a person? Which one of them the most? All of them. Ooh, how it's changed me as a person. Um, I, you know what? It is, um, it's, I've gone back to it and looked at it and been like, it's always ways for me to just tell like, be like, it's okay. Like, you're okay um because since i was a little kid i've had the like the anxiety and depression deal that comes like built in with stand-up comedy um where do you feel the anxiety depression came from um totally internally i don't know my life was pretty good (laughs) my life has been um my life has been like but do you feel being a a child of divorce could play a factor um, a little bit yeah um a little bit of that and then um being exposed to 80s um sad pop music at a young age probably influenced me a little but most of it was like i felt like i just i just felt like i didn't really fit in i was the only one from my set of parents um and like in my group of friends like i had people that got it uh, like that felt the same as me but even then i've always felt like sort of on the outside of a lot of things and so it, all of that was just ways of me going like it's okay like you do this thing this totally expresses it for you and so when I especially with music music was almost like a band-aid for that because like you get to listen to it and sort of relive it um, but when I write it with film or I do it in stand-up it's just me going like I'm okay with this like um, okay with what um, any of the things that like that I think have impacted me like like I do I mean you've seen my set I do pretty much half my set now is about like ex-girlfriend and breakups mm-hmm. um, and I only do Which those pretty jokes. soon mine might be yeah, yeah. right um, <laughs> I only do those jokes because I'm like you know what like it's okay so like, it's a way of you to cope yeah totally it's this is okay. just I totally look at my art and I say I want to be an artist who exists and does art because he's happy um, I don't want to be like, yep, art comes from pain. I want it, it does, and I think that's a good place for it. But I want it to be reflective of someone who is healthy and can look at these things and go, look at this unhealthy way I did this. Isn't it funny? Moving on. But do you really think you can be happy and become a? a it's subjective, but to become a, what's the word I'm looking for? Distinct artist. Yeah, I think you Cause, can. Because I believe mm-hmm. the reason why people stick out mm-hmm. and why it comes from a place of not exactly pain mm-hmm. but it's more of a place of discomfort yeah i think well because i'm not comfortable with the system that we have now i'm not comfortable yeah. with with my situation right mm-hmm. now i'm gonna go do something that's different yep. from that yeah and um you know what a lot of uh, my response like like i said i think you can be happy and do this i think you, i totally think you can um is because forever everyone's always saying um art comes from sadness and pain and stuff and it does and everyone has pain in their life and everyone feels these things and that's great and you should but no one is sitting there saying like you can be happy and do this too and so wouldn't it be I'm uncomfortable with that system Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna be a comedian who's generally happy like yeah I have like a sadness in me that's like kind of innate do you feel like you feel like you want to hide the sadness you you much rather no I want to show it you want to show I want to show it and, and be say, happy about it. And look, yeah, like this okay. is, yeah, the story I'm telling myself is the way I phrase these things. So when I say like the meanest way uh, you could break up with someone is nicely is because I'm like, this happened and it was awful. Yeah. But like, 
You can't really get mad at them. But right? look at where I am yeah. now because of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, okay. So I wanna I wanna take that and say, look at this, look at this sadness that I have inside of me. Um, that will be there forever. But but I am who I am because of it. And I get to stand up here and do this. And that is such a like it's such a joyful, happy thing. Um, to be able to create something is only is only happy. So where do you feel this anxiety comes from then? I, you know, because it seems that you're, you're coming through into this very optimistically. Um, I, um, as a person who's a big, um, like proponent is the, when you're for something, right. I believe, mm-hmm. um, of like therapy and all that. It took me a lot, like a while to get here. Um, and I'm still like working at being here. Um, and it's like every day it's something you work on, um, and stuff like that. And you just have to foster that. But I know it completely comes from me. I want to, I want to make other people happy more than anything um like since i was a kid i wanted to make my dad happy wanted to make my mom happy um because i saw like this deep like sort of pain in their lives and so i wanted to be that like i want to make people laugh because laughing is is great and -hmm. i want to make people feel good and music makes people feel and it can make them feel good too like just having that like sort of camaraderie in it so i think that anxiety and depression comes from me usually not addressing my own personal needs or issues because I want to I want to not deal with me by just dealing with other people mm-hmm. um, so it's almost like I'm keeping myself busy by dealing with other people and like um, going out of my way like to like try to like be this well-adjusted person mm-hmm. um, but that's really just not dealing with my problem it's like if I when I know I have a screenplay to, play to write um, or I know I should be writing I clean my room like beautifully to procrastinate yeah because (laughs) because i'm not dealing with the thing i need to deal with it's exactly that it's that like oh i have a report that i need to do you know what i haven't washed my car in a while it's that like i'm productive in an unproductive way okay so that's that but for the what i'm trying to get is Mm -hmm. is here because you are involved in so many things Mm -hmm. yes And, and, and and it seems that i feel there's a bigger thing happening inside you that's motivating you to do this yeah because to some people all they need is just comedy or to do music mm-hmm. but in your case you have multiple ways you want to express yourself yeah um and and, and i, I kind of want to i'm trying to see where where that comes where's from. that nugget that, that's telling you austin we could do more than this um now, now you mentioned yeah. that you started doing humor to help others cope totally. and yourself and me. Yeah. Uh, do, do you, do you feel like now when you hang out with people, do do you, if there's silence, does that bother you? Um, it depends on the person. Um, cause sometimes it's like, it makes me feel good about our friendship and go like, we don't have to talk. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I would, I would usually rather just fill it with like something funny or like mm-hmm. just go like, so did you hear about this? Like, and just start another discussion. Um, I, you know, I, I wish I could give you a good answer of like, this is where I think it comes from. There's no good or bad uh, but answer. I don't man. think, I think I Maybe don't, there is no answer. I think, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. um, if there is, I don't think I'm a wise enough person to know. But, but here's why I'm asking. Uh-huh. Cause I find it fascinating. Okay. Uh, who you are as a person. Thank as, you. As a performer. That's cool. Uh, so I'm asking because I, I kind of uh, uh, reflect on what you're telling me, uh-huh. and I'm just curious to know where it comes from. Be- I, you know, be- be- because I don't really see many people like me who are dabbling in so many things. Yeah, I know why I do it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm involved in so, so much shit. Yeah, out of fear, 
out of spite out of uh, i mean that's uh, fair i'm afraid that like uh, i won't get to do what i want um get out to do what i want uh multiple fears much more than that for me at least yeah i feel like, uh, i do have that like fear if i don't do this now when i'm older and i didn't do it i'm gonna hate myself mm. um so that is part of it it's not like it's not um but yeah like that's one of i mean i do feel like i do feel like a connection with you from our like brief interactions we've had because i know that you do all of these things that i also do um and i don't meet people like that often um who like dabble in so many things like you said it's like usually people have like a thing that's right. like, oh, this is my, I like, I am a cinematographer and stuff like that. Um, and I like, I just don't feel like I have that thing. Right. Um, I have like a couple. <laughs> but for the most part, for me, it's like, I am uh, unsatisfied yeah, with, with that, life. Yeah. And I'm trying to find satisfaction uh, mm-hmm. with my work. Yeah. Um, so f- for me, it's like, I come from a place of uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't. I want to say something about this. Yeah. This has to be said. Yeah. I want to film this okay. kind of story. Mm-hmm. I want to express this kind of thing. Yeah. Because uh, for me, when I do stuff where I am happy or I, I, I am comfortable, mm-hmm. it's shit. In my opinion, it's shit. Okay. Uh, That's fair. Uh, and I, I always think that the worst thing for a creative person to be in is comfortable. Is to be comfortable. Because when you're comfortable, it's like, why would you even want to create anything if you're mm-hmm. already happy with what you got? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting coming from you where you're like the opposite. You're like, no, yep. be comfortable and express yourself equally. Yeah. Well, so um, for me, it's like, wow, like, holy shit. Like, it's like a, it's like a mirror that is almost. Uh, it's reversed. Reversed. Yeah. I'm the negative version of you. Uh, the positive version. What yeah, are you talking okay, about? I was going to say, if it's the, like, if you took the, a picture. And the, the, the much better looking with it. hair and everything. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love compliments. <laughs> uh, I, uh, it's, um. I mean, part of it is I do I do think about it and look and go like, uh, sorry, we're going a little long. Um, That's not a big deal. I uh, I look at it and go like, if you make something when you're comfortable, when you're not inevitably uncomfortable again, you always can look at that and go like, look at this great time in my life. Um, it's like it's like when you end a relationship, um, and you can look at it and go like, no matter what, this sucks and it hurts so much, but I can look at that relationship and go, what a great time, and I learned a lot, and I'll like my life is good because I had it. Which is really cliche, but usually things are cliche because they're true. But it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I try to use that to like govern what I'm doing, where I go like, I want this to come from the most true place of myself, but I want to be happy. And so if that's the true place that I'm in, my art will, then I'll be happy and I'll be doing stand up or I'll be making music or whatever. Um, but I want to be happy. Um, and like I said, I'll always have like that like innate, like sad core. Um, but that to me, I just look at more as like, um, like a motivator to be happy is knowing like I have this, but I can't, but it doesn't, that doesn't control me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. Um, I know like, like I love doing so much and I dabble in so many things, but at the end of the day, like I know for me, like I want to have all of that. Um, but my personal relationships are really where I, uh, that's why, that's why I do all of this is because I, I want to have something that reflects um, the satisfaction that I get from the the love that I get in my life. Hmm. So that's that is probably the core of it. Um, I want something that represents um, the the love that I have um, for other people and the love that I get from other people. 
or the lack of if I'm not if I'm in a weird place when I'm writing that or something like so that. So this mask they put on when you perform, mm-hmm. you're trying to keep it as much as possible to your face. Yep, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get up there. Because there's some and people who put, who put on a mask mm-hmm. for and the sake of entertainment. Yep, um, and I appreciate that, and I think it can be really great. But when I get up there, I want to. I want to just be Austin Blaylock. Like, don't, don't you feel that's more pressure though? Because for me, it's like I would think. Because I, I agree with you uh-huh. for the most part. Yeah. But for me, it's extra pressure for me. Because for me, if uh-huh. I put on a mask, yeah, people don't like it. It's like, well, it's a, they don't like the persona. Yeah, that's fair. But if I'm being me and people don't like it, I take it personal. I'm like, oh well, fuck. That's fair. That means they don't like me. Yeah, I take it personally too. I would yeah. immediately be like, well, that they didn't like me. Yeah, they didn't, and it would it cuts me to my absolute core. Yeah. But um, it just makes me want to have that conversation more. Like, I want to get up there and be as true to myself as I can be. Um, just because because that's I I've tried really hard to find like or to try to identify who I am in that like in this time period or whatever of my life. Um, and so I want I just I want to get up there and be that person. Like, I never want to stop being th- me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I talk on stage is all like it's the way I talk in real life, like the way I interact with people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I was telling actually someone just on Wednesday at your mic, I got up there and I was like, um, not got up there, but got there and was talking to someone and I was like, you know, honestly, like a lot. I would rather like you don't have to laugh about stuff that I say, but like if you think about it and kind of go like, oh, like yeah that's a good idea or like I didn't think of that concept like same thing like same thing I get as much satisfaction out of that Mm. as I do from like someone laughing at it Um, it's interesting and I want and you know what like it's narcissistic I want the credit like I don't want to be like oh that's my character I want to be like no that's me give me that like I did it Um, part of it like you know I do want that notoriety I want that like oh Austin did that um, like <laughs> so, you, yeah. you you want to be loved and hated at the same time? Totally, I'm fine with that. Either or, like they're the same feeling, just in a different way. Okay, <laughs> so, I dig you. Yeah. All right, Austin, thank you for coming. Thank you for we're, having we're me. We're wrapping this was up. Great. Uh, any upcoming shows or anything you want to plug in for, um, for I would listeners? Always love for everyone to listen to the two podcasts that I do. One is called Bored to Life. Um, you can find that on our website, boredtolife.com, or on iTunes, wherever you get podcast it's there um and my other one um we don't have our website up yet but it's called funny girls find it on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts um i very much love them both i'm very proud of both of those things um i don't have any set in stone shows right now that are coming up um i wish (laughs) but not currently Hmm. um just you know it's crazy you're on two podcasts oh it's fun it's a handful for me to run just this one yeah i'm much uh, more respect for you to doing two of them see but i'm not doing either of them alone so that's true. So and different. funny girls, uh, you got pretty uh, funny gals that oh. were in my class. Let's see, Caitlin, Caitlin and Brandy, Brandy. Yeah, I I know Caitlin a bit more mm-hmm. uh, than Brandy. Oh, she's great. Um, she's so funny. They're both just like such inspirational people to me. If you like, you should lit funny girls. If you want a good dose of like just two of the funniest people in the world. Brandy and Caitlin, I think, are just like so far above me. Yeah. Um, and my other podcast, my friend Jason, is just one of the most incredible creative artists, filmmakers I've ever met in my life. Um, I feel so lucky to get to do podcasts with both of them um, and just learn so much from them. Um, yeah. So I love it. But for me, like, I remember when I found out that they had a podcast, mm-hmm. I was like, I really felt how I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, somebody else is doing that, not just yeah. me. Yep. But I was very shy. I don't want to mention it. I was like, <laughs> 
I'm a very shy guy. Oh, we every I think everyone loves just hearing that there's common interest in things. So yeah, I think if you feel that, you should probably you should talk to people about it, man. Not uh, really, man. Like I, I don't really tell people I do stand up. I don't really tell people I do all these things. That's really. fair. Okay. Uh, I, I, Let the art speak for itself. Don't you get shy? I get shy. I totally I, do. I yeah. hesitate so much to comment. I mean, you, yeah. when you said, "Are you a filmmaker?" I went, mm, "I don't know." <laughs> like, and, you know, are you a musician? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing in real life. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for having me. This was great. I loved this, man. Thanks. Bob. I love being Thanks, able to sit man. down and just really talk to someone. So this was fantastic. I hope everyone listening enjoyed. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming. Thank you.